You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you this week to episode 213 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. Our saying this week is settling out of court. Our, our feature text is Sayings Gospel Q 12, 58 through 59. While you go along with your opponent on the way, make an effort to get loose from him, lest the opponent hand you over to the judge and the judge to the assistant, the assistant throw you into prison. I say to you, you will not get out of there until you pay the last penny. Our companion text are Matthew 5, 25 through 26. Come to terms quickly with your your accuser while you're on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. Luke 12, 58 through 59. Thus, when you go with your accuser before a magistrate on the way, make an effort to settle the case or you may be dragged before the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny penny, or the very last penny, actually, Luke uh, tells us. The intended audience uh, this week to our saying, uh, locating our intended audience matters. The social location of the first audience of this week's saying impacts its meaning. And as I shared last month, I, I, I believe the audience that Jesus was speaking to in this discourse was in the more affluent segment of his society. Matthew compiles this saying with a collection of Jesus' sayings that today we call the, the Sermon on the Mount. And if all we had was Matthew's compilation, we, we I think we would wrongly conclude that this week's saying was intended for, for a more universal audience. But fortunately, Luke is more specific, and, and Luke tells us that the social location of the audience uh, that Jesus uh, uh, aimed this week's saying at was, was the more affluent section of society. And this is Luke 12, 13 through 14. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And arguments over inheritances, remember, they aren't common among the poor or the low, lower middle class. These are problems that exist among the affluent. Jesus didn't see himself as as called to mediate between competing factions of the affluent. Uh, instead, he he had had emerged from or, or among his his Jewish poor peers as a prophet of the oppressed and as a liberator of the poor. And we find this in Luke chapter four. In Luke twelve again, Luke twelve sixteen. Uh, this is the context. He told them this parable: the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So Jesus is talking to the more affluent, using a story about someone who's more affluent, and Jesus then tells. This affluent audience, uh, this parable, uh, it's someone like themselves, someone they can identify with. And then he turns around at the end of the, the discourse in Luke 12, 33, and says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Jesus sums up this parable uh, with the call for the affluent uh, to sell their possessions and give them away. Jesus's audience here is is not therefore uh, the poor sections of a society. The poor didn't have possessions to sell and give away. So he isn't calling the poor 
to, to share their resources as a means of survive here. He does that in other places. Instead, um, he's speaking to the affluent and calling for a radical wealth redistribution. And, and just as in, in, in God's world, according to Jesus, the sun and the rain belong to all alike, so too, if we're going to take um, this week's saying seriously, uh, we must abandon the systems that we've created where some have much more than they could ever use, while others, uh, their needs are, are, are going without even being met. As we've read through this cluster of sayings in the last few weeks, we've witnessed Jesus call his society's affluent uh, to a radical wealth redistribution, and we described him, the motive for him doing this as trying to avert the political and economic crisis that he saw on the horizon. And this week's saying, it fits right into that context. It continues that appeal to his affluent listeners. The saying is, while you uh, go along with your opponent, and that would be the poor, those who are taking issue with those uh, with the more affluent, on the way, make an effort to get loose from him, lest the opponent hand you over to the judge and the judge to the assistant, and the assistant throw you into prison, I say to you, you will not get out of there until you pay the last penny. It could have been very highly offensive uh, to threaten someone from the upper sectors of the first century Jewish social class uh, with being thrown into a debtor's prison. But as as we often find in in, in the Gospels, Jesus is not speaking literally here, being literally thrown into a literal debtor's prison, but he's talking in parable form. What we know from history now is that the poor did finally revolt, that that economic crisis uh, and political crisis that Jesus saw on the horizon did come to fruition, and the exploited poor of of Jesus' day, they violently rose up uh, against the elites in Jerusalem. They, They went on to to take up arms, and they revolted against even Rome itself. And and as I stated in in a couple weeks ago in the in the East Side entitled uh, "The Faithful or Unfaithful Slave," the Roman backlash to this revolt was merciless, and the entire household or the nation was laid waste. And if if Jesus saw this coming, I can understand his trying to warn them. And the uprising of the poor. Um, remember, it, it, it would end up implicating even the wealthy elites. Remember in, the, in our saying this week, it talks about your opponent would hand you over to the judge. Um, they did end up losing everything down to the very last penny. And Jesus was uh, warning them, I think, of a time when Jerusalem, was, or, or, or uh, at least a potential in the future of where Jerusalem, if the course wasn't changed, uh, would be left a barren waste where they lost everything uh, for everyone. And, and this week, too, our, as you can see so far, the social location of this story, of this saying matters, and social location itself matters. The social location of this week's intended audience, um, it makes a difference. And, and let me share just three examples of, wh- of where social location matters uh, as well. The message of self-denial, um, the, to deny yourself, is heard very differently by those at the bottom and edges of society than from those whom society is shaped to benefit. While those at the top need to hear a message that involves self-denial, those at the bottom of society are already experiencing oppressors denying them themselves. There are self-denial is already forced upon them. Um, they don't need further self-denial. And the message from those at the bottom 
uh, or the message that those at the bottom need, at the bottom of society need, is one not of, of self-denial, uh, but of self-affirmation. Uh, the, the, there's a need for imaginative ways to 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 affirm their self in a world where their self is already being denied by those pushing them to the underside and edges of their world. And they need a message that affirms their their standing up for themselves, and not 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 a message that denies themselves. And and such a message would only leave them passive, and and the systemic injustice uh, it would leave that unchallenged, and 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 therefore it would leave it unchanged. And telling the self-denied to deny their self even further uh, makes for quite a convenient gospel uh, for uh, white oppressors. And the same is equally true of a gospel defined only as self-sacrifice. I believe in restoring people's true selves, not sacrificing them. And consider for a moment how the gospel and and Jesus have been reduced to a message of self-sacrifice and 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 how how love has been defined as self-sacrifice. When we define being like Jesus to be simply self-sacrifice, we do untold damage uh, to victims of abuse. Um, and, and I'm sure there are some who need to learn a little self-sacrifice in society, but it's not a universal message by any means. Consider uh, domestic violence for a moment. A, a survivor of domestic violence has been told at some point um, that they're worthy. That's how they survived, uh, that they're valuable, that they're they're worth standing up for, and, and they're worth saying no to their oppressor. And too often, well-meaning Christians have through a message of Christ-like self-sacrifice, they've left spouses abandoned in violent situations um, with the only option to endure in the hopes of saving their victimizer. And, and, and this has had very lethal results even. Elizabeth Bettenhausen, um, in the book Christianity, Patriarchy, and Abuse, she writes, Christian theology has long imposed upon women a norm of imitative self-sacrifice based on the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth. Powerlessness is equated with faithfulness. And when the cross is also interpreted as the salvific work of an all-powerful paternal deity, women's well-being is as secure as that of a child cowering before an abusive father. In, in the same book, we find that we find the essay by Brown and Parker, For God So Loved the World, and, and they write in this essay, the central image of Christ on the cross as the Savior of the world communicates the message that suffering is redemptive. The problem with this theology is that it asks people to suffer for the sake of helping evildoers see their evil ways. It puts concern for the evildoers ahead of concern for the victim of evil. It makes victims the servants of the evildoer's salvation. That's on page 20. So social location matters. That's the point. And, and listening to how certain theologies impact those on the undersides and edges of our society matters. And, and these are perspectives and concerns that we have to stop and listen to. How is our theology affecting the most vulnerable among us? And lastly is the subject of, uh, of self-care for those whom society either wants to extinguish from uh, existence or, or those that uh, in society who, who, who still are having their very, very existence uh, denied. An example of the first one would be in uh, Chechnya's, uh, their desire to eliminate the gay community 
reports say by the end of May this year, um, or or those who who society already denies they exist. Examples of that would be um, uh, those who who deny that being transgender is actually a thing that it actually exists. And in 2012, the APA gave a shot of hope to the transgender community by by revising its material, stating that uh, being transgender was no longer a mental disorder. And self-care is vitally important for communities too, um, communities of color, uh, for both men and especially women, when these are communities that, that find themselves within larger communities where the justice system of the status quo daily on a regular basis threatens their existence. There's a lot of that uh, in the news um, especially this week. There, there's countless examples, and I'll give you a couple examples here in, in the, uh, uh, the, the East Side as well. But as Audre Lorde stated, caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It's self-preservation, and that's an act of political warfare. And, and alongside those who are... We, and this is a... a Related alongside those who who are thankful for Renewed Heart Ministries, there are also those folks who who wish Renewed Heart Ministries also uh, did not exist or could be silenced or shut out as well. Existence matters both personally and institutionally as we move toward transforming our world into a safe place for all of us. And in his saying, uh, though, this week, again, the social location of his audience matters. Jesus was not telling the oppressed or the marginalized or the subjugated that they need to make peace with their oppressors before it's too late. He was not preaching reconciliation without concrete changes in an exploitative society. And as Jacqueline Grant, she, in her book, White Women's Christ and Black Women's Jesus, page 191, she rightly states that the language of partnership is merely a rewording of the language of reconciliation, which provides, uh, which proves to be empty rhetoric unless it's preceded by liberation. Jesus was not calling for reconciliation for two parties by the oppressed without any type of liberation being made. He was talking to those on the uh, the upper sectors of society to 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 make reparations um, uh, before crisis. Uh, would to avert the crisis that he saw on the on the horizon. Jesus again was not preaching uh, passive reconciliation and forgiveness uh, of those at the helm of an unjust system. Quite to the contrary, Jesus was inviting those at the top, whom the oppressed were calling for change. Um, they were those on the top to stop fighting those changes and instead make reparations. And this uh, this phrase, paying the last penalty, as I shared two weeks ago, what loomed on the people's horizon was not that the poor would finally be able to take back what had been taken from them. Remember, the, the, the poor and the rich alike were annihilated by Rome in 70 CE. And threats of impending doom... Um, Remember, they didn't. They didn't work. Jesus's threats of what was coming, it didn't motivate those who belonged to the dominating sectors of the society to change, and it doesn't seem to be doing much today either. Um, what what I can attest is that compassion, um, seeing my interconnectedness with others, and stopping to to listen 
to what the experience of this life is like for those on the undersides and edges of our world today, that does motivate me to lean into the social changes, or at least the social teachings of Jesus, and actively engage in in relationship with other people. Just like in 70 CE, we are today all in this together, and the choices we're making today, it will affect all of us to varying degrees. We all inescapably share our world with each other. Uh, we we are each other's neighbor, so to speak, and and so we're going to have to learn to to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we're not as disconnected from our neighbors as we're taught to believe. And what does it mean to come to terms with those who are being oppressed and marginalized in society before we're placed in a scenario where we all pay the last penny? Um, I think it means that we have a choice whether or not to share this space in a way that makes sure everyone is taken care of. Um, It means we have a choice to make sure there's enough for everyone, where no one has too much and no one has too little. It's a call to distributive justice, and and it mimics Jesus' sunshine and his indiscriminate reign, and and it later invites the decision to ensure that each one possesses even their daily bread. We find that in, in what we call today the Lord's Prayer. And the choice is stark. It's either enough for everyone or nothing for anyone. And, and the point is, is that we're in this together, that we are each other's keeper. Our saying this week, while you go along with your opponent on the way, make an effort to get loose from him, lest the opponent hand you over to the judge and the judge to the assistant and the assistant throw you into prison. I say to you, you will not get out of there until you pay the last penny. Heart group application this week. Um, This week, I I want you as a group, all the uh, heart groups that are out there, um, as a group, I want you to sit down and I want you to watch the short 2011 TED Talk by Richard Wilkinson, How Economic Inequality Harms Societies. And I'll give you the link to that uh, in the e-site. But there's an intrinsic relationship of cause and effect between inequality and societal harm. And whether the inequality is uh, rooted in disparities based on gender, uh, class, race, orientation, gender identity, age, or ability, whatever, uh, history bears out that the fruit of inequality is not security in, in facing the future, but greater vulnerability and, and risk for all of us. It's the same idea. There's either going to be enough for all or there's going to be nothing. Eventually, there's going to be nothing uh, for anyone. And, and even ecologically, I, mean, I think we, we are beginning to see some of that handwriting on the wall today. And then number two, in the book of Acts, we find the claim that in the beginning of the Jesus movement in Jerusalem, in Acts 4.34, it says, there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales. Those who had more than they needed shared with those whose needs were not being met. And, and I want you to discuss together uh, some of the things that, that impacted you as you watched Wilkinson's TED Talk on inequality. And then number three, uh, list how you as a heart group 
can work towards supporting one another and, and closing the inequality gap that's just even among you as a small group. I mean, I mean, just start small, even with you as a group. In Paul's letter to his church in Corinth, he wrote, Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality, and that's 2 Corinthians 8, 13, and 14. So just pick one thing off the list and uh, put it into practice this week. Gandhi titled his autobiography, The Story of My Experiments with Truth, and that's what we're doing here. We're experimenting with the teachings of Jesus, and we're seeing which applications of his principles work and, and, which, only com- and which applications only complicate our, our societal problems. And if we don't seek... We'll never find. So experimenting with truth, it starts here with actually experimenting with it. And I want to thank all of you who, again, support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries. It's people like you who are enabling us to exist and to be a positive resource in our world in the work of survival and resistance and liberation and restoration and transformation. And if you're new to Renewed Heart Ministries, we are a not-for-profit group that's informed by the sayings and teachings of the historical Jewish Jesus of Nazareth, and we're passionate about centering our values and ethics in an experience, um, or in the experiences, rather, of those on the undersides and margins of, of our society. And you can find out more about us. You can go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click on the, the Who is RHM uh, uh, link there on the top left. Um, and, and remember, everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is done with the purpose of of making these resources as free as possible. And, and to do that, we need the help of people like you. If you'd like to support uh, our work, the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, you can make a one-time gift or you can become one of our monthly contributors by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking on the Donate tab on the top right of our homepage. Or you can always mail your contribution to our, our post office box, Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. And, and whether you choose to support or not, make sure you sign up for our free resources on our website. Uh, we also have a monthly newsletter that we actually send out by mail. But there are podcasts, there are emails, there are there's there's stuff online through social media. Um, just take advantage of the resources that are there, um, and all of your support helps. Anything that we receive beyond our annual budget, we pass on to other not for profits that are making personal and systemic differences in the lives of those uh, less privileged. And 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 for those of you again who are already supporting our work, um, thank you. I'm I'm so glad that you're journeying with us, that you're on this journey alongside of us, and, and where you are this week, wherever this finds you, keep living in love, survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation as we together are on our way to, to thriving. Um, thanks for checking in with us this week. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.